Alrighty, hello everyone and thanks for joining. Uh, we have Jennifer Lynch joining us today and we're going to talk a little bit about service-related billing and how 340B can kind of play into, into service-related billing. So before we dive into kind of our topic today, Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you for having me. Um, yes, I've been with Ohio State for a couple of years now. I'm the manager of the 340B program. Uh, before I joined Ohio State, I was a director and a system director of pharmacy for Pharmacy Systems, um, PSI, out of Columbus. I served at a rural, um, large, not large, but a system down in southeastern Ohio, as well as a small critical access hospital. And that's kind of where I got my start with 340B. Um, with the critical access hospital in 2010, that's when the Affordable Care Act added all of the um, new entities, and that's where I got my start. I've also done some time in retail, ambulatory, uh, long-term care. So I've, I've kind of had the gamut of things um, that are covered, in, especially within the 340B program. So it kind of perfectly situated me for this um, responsibility in this job. Great, great. Thanks for sharing. So before we dive into um, kind of the 340B component of your position and of, at your organization, could you give us just a brief overview of your current practice site and um, then tell us a little bit about their role within 340B as a covered entity? Okay. At um, the Ohio State, we have four different covered entities. Uh, the main covered entity is the Dish Hospital, and then we have three federal grantees. We have a Ryan White Clinic, a hemophilia treatment center, and an FQHC. And my responsibility is to oversee the compliance of those programs, um, any new implementations of those programs, um, the responsibilities uh, for those different programs, there's a, there's a group of us, it's not just one, um, one of us that takes care of everything because uh, the operations are so different within each of the different covered entities. Yeah, that's great. So you described some of the covered entity components, but you guys also utilize contract pharmacies, is that right? Correct. Each of the covered entities has their own set of contract pharmacies um, and we have to manage each of those. And again, things can be very different, especially for example, with the hemophilia treatment center, when you're dealing with factor products, it's a lot um, more a manual process whenever we're, we're doing those things. Whereas the contract pharmacies for the dish hospital um, and the other two are gonna be much more traditional um, where you're gonna use a, a TPA or a third party administrator. So each one is gonna have a little bit of a different scenario. Yeah, so I think um, kind of all of these moving parts within understanding 340B billing can be kind of complicated, especially when you think about, you know, ultimately what we're here to talk about today, which is the service-related billing and how you can kind of put these two components together. So could you give us just like a little overview of what that process looks like for billing with the contract pharmacies? Um, with the contract pharmacies, it's a, a bill to ship to arrangement. So if one of our patients, for example, from the DISH hospital, so um, University Hospital, goes into a contract pharmacy and there was a prescription written by one of our um, providers, one of our eligible providers, that prescription will be captured um, during the processing or adjudication of that claim, typically by a third party administrator. Um, so once that 
claim is captured, it kind of drops into our bucket as an eligible um, claim for the covered entity. And with that, our responsibility is to replenish the drug um, that is used for that patient. And then the revenue that is generated from that claim comes to the covered entity minus a dispensing fee that the contract pharmacy would keep. So our responsibility again is to pay for the drug um, and pay a dispensing fee to our contract pharmacy. Great, so then once you go through that process, any of those savings or those funds, then how do you go about utilizing those funds? So when we start to think about shifting from, from the product monies towards how to utilize it for services. Um, 340B, the intent of the program is to stretch the scarce federal resources for the covered entity. So it gives the, the covered entity the opportunity to do more comprehensive services and to increase access to medications. And that's kind of where the, um, not divide is, but two kind of schools of thought is that some of the entities such as the FQHC pass the savings directly on to their patients. So for example, their patients um, may not be able to afford their medications. And so by using these contract pharmacies, they pay based on sometimes a sliding scale of what they can afford to pay. Whereas with the Ryan White Clinic, those funds or that revenue that's generated, they use those for very specific things. So for example, they might be able to um, cover the premiums uh, for the actual insurance for the patients. For the more traditional programs, the revenue comes back into the covered entity. And the goal is to increase care or provide more care for the indigent population or that vulnerable population um, and increase um, what services are available. Some take the stand that you should increase pharmacy services, which of course we all want to see pharmacy services grow. And so our goal is to try to increase access to medications. And sometimes that's with education or having a pharmacist in those clinics. So that would be our goal. I don't think there's any one answer for how revenue is used. Some people are very transparent about it. Other people just say it's all in the charitable care that we provide and all of the community um, benefit that that provides to their individual areas. Yeah, yeah, definitely interesting to think about the different ways that those funds can be used and kind of the different approach to to approaching the 340B program as a whole. Um, but when you think about, you know, regardless of how folks are planning to use and implement these 340B savings, are there any performance metrics or things that you have to track for 340B? Um, most of the things that are being tracked are usually compliance related uh, because obviously the program's under very high scrutiny uh, by HRSA. Um, and the drug manufacturers and just trying to make sure that the dollars are being spent where they're supposed to be, but also making sure that we're doing it in a compliant way. So most of our dashboard metrics, we focus on the compliance, but of course there's a big financial component. And so the dollars are being tracked uh, based on, you know, cost of drugs uh, versus your margin. So there are a lot of um, different metrics that go into that. But as far as performance for my specific area, um, I look at it more on are we running a compliant program and then are those funds flowing like they should back to the organization. So it's really a combination of both for my area. Yeah, yeah, that's great. 
So when you think about the 340B program as a whole, so all of the different moving parts and pieces and kind of the role that we have in pharmacy, what opportunities or challenges do you see for the 340B program kind of generally? Uh, there's always kind of an attack on the 340B program. Um, the drug manufacturers typically don't want to provide these discounted prices, even though it really does represent a very small uh, portion of their business. Um, so it's always kind of under scrutiny or attack. And, and right now, there's a lot of people trying to get kind of their piece of the pie where they want to take some of those funds for their different areas. So for example, some of the PBMs, there's some discriminatory reimbursement going on. And some of the drug manufacturers are now um, saying they won't provide certain medications to contract pharmacies. So we have just a lot of different areas that are attacking um, the program and kind of getting us away from what the intent of the program is. Um, you even have cuts to Medicare payments to 340B hospitals. Um, I know that money is supposed to come back and be budget neutral to the organizations, but how is that really happening? So I think the challenge is not only running that compliant program, but it's kind of a blocking and tackling every day um, to make sure that the program um, stays whole because it, it does help so many people. So there's a lot of advocacy that goes into that as well. Yeah, yeah, and I like kind of how you framed it of, it all goes back to what was the intent of the program and how can we use it to stretch those resources. Right. And when you think about stretching those resources and providing you know, services or medications to patients, what do you think are some of the considerations specifically within pharmacy to create some of those sustainable services or sustainable you know, patient care endeavors with 340B? Um, I think one of the best areas that um, you can see how pharmacy can truly impact um, using some of the 340B um, revenue or services is in the Ryan White Clinic and having a pharmacist there uh, to guide the patients um, and help them uh, get to their viral load suppression quicker and, and to make sure that they're um, taking their medications as they should and being compliant and doing all of the things to maintain that healthy lifestyle and having that chronic disease management that uh, pharmacists want to be involved in. And I think pharmacy can play a huge role um, with these patients. And also, it, it's also about making sure that they're on the most um, cost-effective medications. And we're not, just because we can save money on some of these drugs, we need to make sure that they're on the right medication. So there's so many opportunities for pharmacists to, to really um, benefit or, help the patients and, and benefit from the program. And I think it, it just opens up a whole new role for pharmacists to be out there with the patients and, and really helping them. And it, it gives us the opportunity to actually save the system money and save the patients money and not be a burden to the healthcare system and put patients on medications when they don't necessarily need to be on them. So I think there's a huge opportunity for pharmacists to be in the clinics with these patients. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting. You explained so many different facets, you know, financial and clinical kind of outcomes, but really just having that pharmacy presence within these clinics can make a big difference, not only for the patient, but also for the organization. Right, and healthcare in general. I think it really does take the burden um, from the healthcare system when you have the pharmacists directly involved with the patients. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, we have some future pharmacy leaders kind of listening in today as they learn about community-based pharmacy. 
So when you think about these future pharmacy leaders wanting to learn more about 340B, you know, there's a lot of, you know, language and rules and compliance. There's a lot around this program and it can be pretty complex. So what advice do you have for, for students or for these future leaders listening in on how to gain more experience and learn more about 340B? And there's always um, an abundance of resources and a lot of them actually have always been virtual. So um, ironically, that's beneficial right now, uh, but there's definitely a lot of resources available. And I think forming a network with your colleagues and not being afraid to ask questions um, because there's a lot of us out there that know different pieces and parts. Um, some people are experts in the Ryan White area. Some people are experts in FQHCs or the dish hospitals and more the mixed use side for operations. And it's really getting to know those experts and kind of pulling all of that information together. You're almost the, the middleman of it all and, and trying to keep track of who's doing what and how the medications are being used. And it's a really good um, uh, way to look at operations a little bit differently. So it's, it's coming from all sides, but it's using your resources and truly networking and finding those um, people that are experts in their area and learning from them. And I think that's how you learn about 340B is you learn from the different experts. That's great. And I love that when we think about, you know, future pharmacy leaders learning really about any topic today about 340B, but, you know, I feel like a lot of times we hear building your network and using your resources. Yes. And it's just great how that rings true of, of how future pharmacy leaders can continue to grow throughout their careers. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jennifer, and for yes. helping us learn more about 340B and creating sustainable pharmacy services. Yes, thank you for having me.